here we are yogananda ji is still a young disciple and he's learning like we are the ropes of what it means to receive from your guru and what is it that you in fact are receiving from your guru and we ended our last class we're on chapter 12 page 121 and we ended our last class where um shri yukteswar ji was focusing a lot on human conduct and behavior also as uh, a measure of our spiritual consciousness and here paramans yogananda shares with us that apparently he says i'm going to repeat some of the few lines we've already gone through just to create the context for us that master was apparently satisfied with my spiritual progress so it wasn't his sadhana it wasn't his um, you know ability to go deep in meditation that sri yukteswar was concerning himself too much with because yogananda was doing that really well my chief offenses now this is where he comes were absent mindedness intermittent indulgence in sad moods non observance of certain rules of etiquette and occasional unmethodical ways so you could see here i mean these this is a list of things that we would consider way low you know very low on our chief offenses list our chief offenses are a little <laughs> of a certain degree much higher but you can see the fact that it's not it wasn't just ah mukunda he's meditating so he's fine oh yeah he does his seva so he's fine no absent mindedness how often are you do you lose focus do you lose awareness of what you're doing of this present moment where you allow your mind to just float away not just in meditation but in your everyday life how often do you give in intermittent indulgence the way master puts it in sad moods just these moments where you let your life force drop it is indulging because there's a certain pleasure see when the life force drops when you can commiserate when you can pretend to be a victim complain when you can complain there's actually a lot of pleasure in that it's a sensual pleasure to complain and it also requires nothing from you it doesn't require you to change does require you to put out any energy so it's very much an indulgence how often do you indulge in this you know you don't have to be sad but as just as narayani said that little complaining that little irritable that little like uh, it's a perfect know, self justification perfect self justification so i know it's hard to think <laughs> of a master as kind of going through that but uh, and he probably didn't on the level that uh, we may think of it but he's definitely showing us what the simple you know little things that we're all experiencing day to day how profound an impact they have on our spiritual process of course he says non observance of certain rules of etiquette and here shri yukteswar ji one of the things master would say was shri yukteswar ji's favorite phrase was learn to behave that was it every time learn to behave so there was a certain expectation of how you carried yourself what your etiquette was how you moved how you interacted and sometimes again we're just like you know it doesn't matter ha ha hu hi hi but if you see shri yukteswar ji especially you know it's just like you just see that inner strength and stillness and it's it's manifesting you can't think of shri yukteswar ji kind of just sitting with his bind bent and kind of say hey you know ek cup lana chai ka you know it's just like if he even spoke i'm sure he spoke very deliberately not only i'm i'm sure master tells us here that's how he did speak it's like his energy wasn't scattered even physically you yeah. know it was so contained in his physical body absolutely so think about these things from less from just a physical reality but also from what it reflects of our consciousness mm-hmm. and that's where shri yukteswar ji was trying to adjust that uh, being spiritual is not just your sadhana just the observances of whatever you know outward teachings that have been given to us but it's very much moment by moment how you carry your mind how you carry your body how you carry your thoughts and then of course 
then master says occasional unmethodical ways <laughs> that one we'll let slide for now then he goes on to say and this i'm still repeating from our last class but it's just helpful he says that from transient teachers of my earlier life now we know that master has you know gone to many, many teachers and many of them fabulous he's not of course casting any dispersions on anyone but he says that i imbibed a few erroneous lessons as a chela i was told i need not concern myself strenuously over worldly duties so that was one thing that became a little bit of a a delusive understanding in him it's not wrong uh, you know when you do go, go very seriously onto a spiritual path there's definitely a certain letting go of of, of worldly duties and tendencies but i think believe especially the ray that baba ji has brought in through lahri mahashay shri yukteswar and then of course our guru is 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 a little bit of a readjustment of what that looks like today because our lifestyle today is far different from what you would otherwise think of as a traditional ashram setting a traditional renunciate attitude of life and so here worldly duties participate in the spiritual journey as opposed to are detrimental or only detrimental to the spiritual journey when i had neglected or caref- carelessly performed my tasks yogananda ji says i was not chastised so it was it was no big deal yeah you do things just half heartedly it's okay because that's not important that's worldly right and so as long as you're doing your spiritual things really well the worldly stuff is less important human nature find such instruction very easy of assimilation of course any time somebody says ah, it's not so important you can do it uh, not so well <laughs> the human beings like wow okay that works perfectly for me mediocrity is my middle name <laughs> you know that's what just like any opportunity we get where we don't have to just give ourselves fully to it we're very happy with those realities anyway says under masters unsparing rod However, I soon recovered from the agreeable delusions of irresponsibility. And this is where we left it last time. This irresponsibility, irresponsibility to this life, irresponsibility to our body, irresponsibility to our consciousness, irresponsibility to the purpose and mission that each of us have been handed. And your purpose and mission is not some grandiose you know reality elsewhere it's very much where you are right now who you are with right now what your realities are what your simple worldly responsibilities are is very much a part of what your spiritual responsibilities are as well let us now continue <clears throat> those shri yukteswar ji says who are too good for this world are adorning some other so this was his remark if somebody was uh i don't know it's just like oh this is this is beneath me this is not good i i'm spiritual you know i can't get caught up in these worldly things and shri yukteswar ji would say oh if you're too good for this world then you should be in some other world <laughs> the very fact that you are in yeah. this world tells you that you're not too good for it <laughs> that you're not yet too good for it so you know get yourself where you are yeah. don't try to pretend to be elsewhere so long as you breathe the free air of earth you are under obligation to render grateful service i mean these words are you know immortalized yeah. are burned into our psyche so long as you breathe the free air of earth you are obligated i mean that word there's no misunderstanding that mm-hmm. word obligated to render grateful service and let's see how many of us are breathing the free air of the uh, of this earth there's a off-handed comment here if you can go into breathlessness <laughs> then that's okay then you're no longer breathing the free air of the earth so if you're one of those uh, people who just boom go into breathlessness in those moments don't worry you're not obligated to do anything but the moment the breath begins which means what what is our breath our breath is the receiving and the giving is the interacting it is the 
you can say the subtlest form of interaction that we have with the world the very dependency on this world is represented by our breath i take from you i give to you i take from you i give to you i take from you i give to you so as long as this relationship is happening well then there is more to it and that more to it is the obligation to render grateful service again i love the choice of words here grateful service when i think about grateful service i i think about it from both ways one we need to be grateful in performing service you know everything that we do we we see it in our previous satsang i believe it was what the checklist of freedom yeah. we were talking about seva and one of the important aspects of seva was to see it as a privilege as an honor and not as a duty not even though shri yukteswar ji here uses the word obligation but we can't see it if if our attitude sees it as an obligation well then the universe will see it as it their obligation just to keep you alive <laughs> and that's it theek hai you know this is what this is how you perceive me fine i'll also perceive you just as an obligation but when you perceive your seva as a privilege as an honor and the universe perceives you as a privilege and an honor and it it feels it's such a joy and a privilege to keep you happy to keep you uplifted to keep you in the flow of grace and so it's very important grateful service from our end but then you can flip it as well and that is that whatever service we do needs to be gratefully accepted in the sense that it needs to have purpose it's not just this is my seva you know i'm happy this is the seva i'm doing you need to actually fulfill a need ah okay i'm doing it gratefully but also it needs to be received gratefully because there is an actual need for it so the question constantly becomes especially as disciples what's needed oh, what's needed not what do i want to do <laughs> because that's easy right what do i want to do yeah i want really i want to do things that make me even look better than i am <laughs> no what's needed and when you start looking at what's needed then the grateful universe who says ah you are fulfilling a need that exists you're not just doing what you want then that relationship completes itself i was thinking that even god himself is constantly rendering that grateful service and his real seva is all of us his creation so he's constantly serving us creating all these worlds and situations and karmic experiences i mean we are his constant seva so if we want to be in alignment you know and respond in the same way to the energy that he is putting out what shuja was saying yes what's needed but not only to for myself even for the organization for master's mission what god needs right now and if we can see this in a larger scheme what this world is demanding from us what can be our seva to this world in addition to our little seva that we perform around our individual lives so it's awesome to perceive the spiritual life in both ways in the smaller scale as individuals and what i need for my own personal growth what kind of seva is important for me to perform and then expand your understanding and see what god what his creation right now in this age in this yuga is demanding is asking of me and in this particular yuga is all about energy and consciousness so how i am serving with my energy and consciousness to reciprocate to that energy that god has put into motion so it's it's a fascinate you know these two worlds the microcosmos and the Macro. macrocosmos of then shri yukteswar of course alludes to what we already said 
He alone who has fully mastered the breathless state is freed from cosmic imperatives. So, and then he says very... <laughs> I love this one. It's, it's a little bit of a, you yeah. know, poke at us. But then he says, I will not fail to let you know when you have attained that final perfection. <laughs> so our Guru will very much let us know when we are no longer obligated, when we are no longer required to be rendering grateful service. He'll say, aapka time ho gaya. All right. Rather than we telling yeah. him. <laughs> I think I've I done enough. I think I just, I did my duty today. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think you know, I, I deserve now all this rest and this pampering and this self-indulgence. Now I deserve it. I mean, not to make light of it, yeah, but just to realize yeah. that there's just uh, so much to explore, so much to give to. And uh, it's not easy. No, we are very much, uh, unfortunately, the words are slaves to our own desires and attachments and expectations. But the only way we will break that, it, I mean, the only way we will break that, of course, through our sadhanas, we subtly uh, sever these connections and these ties that bind us. But our sadhanas also need to be you know, taking us to the breathless state, then something really is happening. But if our sadhanas are also lukewarm, and then our lifestyle is also lukewarm, uh, you know, it just it's, it becomes a very, very long journey. We, we really prolong that process mm -hmm. a lot more. So again, choice is ours. This is the beauty. You know, God's not sitting up there with his arms crossed, tapping his foot and saying, Bhai, kya kar rahe ho? He's, he's joyful. He's in bliss. And he's expressing his bliss through you, even in this moment. So, you know, there is no pressure, except if the soul says, I want out. My guru could never be bribed, even by love. <laughs> he showed no leniency to anyone, who, to anyone who, like myself, willingly offered to be his disciple. Uh, this is the key point here. Mm -hmm. He showed no leniency to anyone who, like myself, willingly offered to be his disciple. So if you offered yourself, and this is not just Sri Yukteswar. Of course, Sri Yukteswar Ji seems to be a little bit extreme on the, <laughs> on, the, on the side of discipline and strictness. However, once you willingly offer yourself to be a disciple of any master... Um, he's going to take that job very seriously. So our discipleship needs to be a very real thing that says, yes, I'm ready. And our discipleship is also a daily thing where the moment he feels, your guru feels that your willing surrender to him right now doesn't exist, boom, he'll actually back off. So it's really up to us moment by moment how willing we are how attuned we are to the idea of our discipleship, to the expression of our discipleship, which will um, kind of attract an equivalent response from your Guru. And the willingness to um, be corrected mm. by your Guru. Because one thing is to be willing to serve his mission, to be willing to help other people, to be willing to financially support, you know, your guru's mission, but to be willing to be corrected in the way the guru chooses to correct you. And sometimes that correction might not be pleasant or may not be in private where you would like and you would hope <laughs> for no one to see that correction. So I don't know if we can see how many layers um, is to have an, a, a guru that shapes you and corrects you in, in such a deep way that only if you are willing to go through that excruciating kind of, you know, uh, shaping and <laughs> yeah, adjustment, yeah, <laughs> breakdown sometimes. And the Guru will never impose such a training to your ego unless you say, 
I'm yours. I mean, do whatever you want to do, however you choose. I mean, that's why, why one of the main discipleship, you know, the vow of discipleship, the guru asks you, will you give me your unconditional obedience? Will you give me your unconditional love? If you say yes, as Yogananda say, good, now I can take charge of your life. I mean, and that's what's really exciting for a guru when his own disciples open themselves so completely, trust the guru so completely that he can really do the job that God has assigned him. I mean, let's not forget that it's God himself who has appointed this guru to you. <laughs> so we can become free as sooner you know, rather sooner than later. So it's a very subtle line. And again, everything falls back on us. Oh, so, no. Or, yes. <laughs> so even the success or failure is all us. <laughs> of course, uh, Master gave this equation that many of you would be familiar with, where he said that the spiritual path is 25% yeah the effort of the disciple 25 percent the effort of the guru on behalf of the disciple and 50 percent the grace of god which he then says which comes through the guru as well but so there's this 75 percent divine grace that's drawing us up and there's 25 percent of our effort in keeping <coughs> true Oops, to sorry. that direction of divine grace but of course if we don't do our 25%, then we don't attract that 75%. So, so the whole equation, although it sounds very like, oh, I have so, you know, I have to do, I don't have to do that much. But although, you can <laughs> say that our 25% is our 100%. Yeah. It, it's, it only acts. The formula only activates after we were getting well onto those 25%. So don't expect that, oh, I need to, you know, clean uh, this entire room. I'll just clean 25% of this room and then the guru will clean the 75%. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't work that particular way. No trifling lapse into shallowness or inconsistency escaped his rebuke. So... Sri Yukteswarji was very quick to correct, far quicker than any one of us would like. So not even for a moment, Yogananda is explaining, if you went into um, shallowness, whether in your conversations, whether in your thought processes, whether you're inconsistent, moment that happens, Sri Yukteswarji would pick that up immediately. His flattening treatment was hard to endure. But my resolve was to allow Sri Yukteswar to iron out each of my psychological kinks. As he labored at this titanic transformation, I shook many times under the weight of his disciplinary hammer. So you can see, even Yogananda is talking, when you, when you read this, you're not seeing just like, oh, yeah, and it just was wonderful. And wasn't it just amazing that I was with my guru? It's, it's very real. It was hard. By, I, many a times, it was, just, it was more than I could endure. But I was so clear in the fact and so aware. I love the word, this titanic transformation. You know, sometimes we just think that we're almost there and it's just a few little things that, you know, need to be adjusted and uh, here we are. But Yogananda recognized to shift our consciousness into the divine consciousness is a titanic transformation. And uh, how can you expect somebody to take on this titanic transformation if you don't give them yourself? Swami uh, Kriyananda made this startling uh, statement. And again, sometimes these statements make you feel a little... Uh, he said that the difference between a human being and a self-realized master of consciousness is the same as the difference of the consciousness of a worm 
and the human state. Can you, I mean, just think about it. The consciousness of a worm, don't, th don't take this the wrong way, but the consciousness of a worm, how limited is his awareness? He's only aware of his own presence and what he needs to eat and what he needs to, you know, just that, that that's, his, that's his world. And then when you think about the consciousness of the human being, which is aware of great realities and can think and then can perceive and make music and come up with just the most beautiful creations and inventions and discoveries. So you, you can see the vast difference between the consciousness of a worm and the consciousness of the human. And now take that as the consciousness of the human and the consciousness of a self-realized master. <laughs> but then he added, those who have a guru and practice specific techniques such as Kriya Yoga, they are already very close, very close in that scheme of, you know, level of evolution. So as Yogananda said, it takes very, very, very good karma even to want to know God. And I assume and I want to believe that all of us and all of you who are watching these classes and especially have a connection with this book, Autobiography of a Yogi, that means that you are getting closer. So don't get discouraged, even for a moment, if you think you are not under the training of Sri Yuteshwar, or you don't have your guru in his physical form, or you don't have yet specific things. I mean, the fact that you are studying the lives and the lifestyle of discipleship that means that you have already done an inner work. So now let's take it from here and keep working and moving forward. And really allow this titanic transformation yeah. to take place. If you don't like my words, you are at liberty to leave any time. Uh-oh. <laughs> Master assured me. I want nothing from you but your own improvement. Stay only if you feel benefited. That was just how clear Sri Yukteswarji was. Yogananda's personality and the way of working with disciples was very different. And Sri Yukteswarji, in fact, mentions that. You won't be like me. Yogananda-ji, like Swami Kriyananda as well, you know, really pampered his disciples to a certain degree, almost to help them see the need to stick with it. But Sri Yukteswarji like, take it or leave it. You don't feel benefited, there's the door. So many of us would have chosen the door, <laughs> even though we'd like to believe that we would have stuck it out and we would have stayed on. So in many ways, um, it works for us to have our guru who teaches more through love than through discipline. For every humbling blow he dealt my vanity, for every tooth in my metaphorical jaw he knocked loose with stunning aim, I am grateful beyond any facility of expression. That's the disciple, isn't it? Knowing everything that he went through, knowing every circumstance, and this is us, every issue that you go through, every karma that comes your way, every person that uh, treats you badly, every loved one that you lose or something happens to them, every one of them you look back and you say i am grateful beyond any facility of expression because that was your guru knocking your metaphorical tooth that was decayed that needed treatment and when we see that and we start to recognize that that's when we're like ah that oh now i see that titanic transformation take place this is so beautiful because Yogananda here is, is, is writing this book, I mean, like 40 years, 30 years after he went through such a training. So, so he went through a lot of introspection. He revived all these moments in the presence of his guru when he was writing this book, Autobiography of a Yogi. And the beautiful thing about this is we can't see the transformation that's happening 
when it's happening. We only see the end result and we really recognize, appreciate, and become so grateful for those harsh times, for those rigorous uh, disciplines, for those, you know, blows and for those, you know, uncomfortable and unpleasant situations. So even when we are in the middle of a, you know, kind of, you know, the guru is calling us or creating a very uncomfortable situation, if we just give him enough time and we just allow, you know, some time to pass by and doing our best, we will see the end result. And this is what Yogananda is also trying to tell us. Allow your guru to use whatever rigorous ways he wants to choose and trust him because he knows what you need and he knows the kind of um, experiences and sufferings you have to go through in order to get it because he's training us to each one of us to you to us for something else and the more we um, perfect ourselves the more we will be able able to help and uplift those people who need our help and god needs channels so allow your guru to make you a perfect channel so you can again support that chain from god through the guru through you into this world the hardcore of human egotism is hardly to be dislodged except rudely with its departure the divine finds at last an unobstructed channel. In vain, it seeks to percolate through flinty hearts of selfishness. So here he's saying that this process, you know, as much as we'd like to think that the journey to God is just a constantly, oh, 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 oh. but unfortunately the ego is so deeply lodged in us that there's going to be some form as he says, it can only be dislodged rudely, just because it's deeply entrenched. However, as we loosen those bonds, and this is becomes, this really becomes the, the process that we would like to choose, right? If we can consciously loosen the bonds of the ego, then that rudeness is not needed so much. And that is how we decide the severity of our tests, we decide the process that we're going to have to take because we've, at least outwardly or at least at certain moments, we have said to the Guru, I'm yours, I want freedom, I want nothing less but you. So he's going to do his part. Of course, at other times we, <laughs> we don't say that or at least we try not to say it too loudly lest he hear us. <laughs> but if we participate already in loosening the ego, here he says, divine, the divine seeks to percolate through flinty hearts of selfishness but in vain. That means if our heart, selfish doesn't here mean, ah, this is all mine and I don't want to give to anybody else. The selfishness here is the desire to hold on to the little self. As long as you have a desire to hold on to the little self, it's just going to be very hard for God to step in because there's no space. And so it's really up to us. Do you want a rude awakening? Or do you want to be gently awoken <laughs> because you've already worked enough so that the hold of that selfish identification is not so strong and then boom that goes away much more easily do you want to say something Sri Yukteswar's wisdom was so penetrating that heedless of remarks he often replied to one's unspoken observation what a person hears or what a person imagines he hears and what the speaker has really implied may be poles apart, he said. Try to feel the thoughts behind the confusion 
of men's verbiage. You've just got these little, you know, <laughs> it's like sections, but then this one paragraph, this one section is just like, okay, wow, what am I going to do with that now? So, of course, we know this, you know, this is our daily experience. Not only do we often take and receive or hear whatever it is that, you know, filters through our consciousness, which is many a times different from what somebody says, you know, somebody's trying to explain something to us, we get hurt because, you know, we've perceived that this person's really trying to hurt us, of course. Once we relax and calm down, we're very much aware that that was never the person's intention and vice versa. There's so much confusion. There's so much misunderstanding in human communication because, in fact, we are unable to. You can see how Sri Yukteswarji and Yogananda, just the words they use, it's, it's very hard to get confused by the precision of their words because it's like, wow, there, there's no margin for error. But our ability to express ourselves is actually not that high. And our ability to translate our own thoughts and feelings into words, uh, you know, a lot gets, as it said, lost in that translation. And so then you've got one side where you are putting out a certain, you know, vibration through your words. Then you've got the other individual who is receiving that and both of you have your own filters, your own processes, mm -hmm. what you are going through in that moment, whether you're uplifted in that moment or feeling a little low, whether you have past confusion that is also kind of and karma that is playing around with it. And so in communication especially, there's just so much that doesn't pass through. And then of course, Sri Yukteswarji says as the advice for each of us is try to feel the thoughts behind the confusion of men's verbiage. And that becomes our job because we ourselves are in fact not so interested. How often have you been in a conversation and, and your only thought is, I'm just waiting for this person to end so that I can make my point. You know, how often are we not even really listening? We're just like, okay, you know, now it's my turn. Now I need to justify myself or now I have a better point to make and whatever it is. So it becomes our role is like, are we perceiving? Are we really trying to see despite what words are coming out, despite our own inability to make our feelings and our thoughts expressed perfectly? Are we able to perceive that vibration behind it? That's why it requires a lot of humility from our part when we say statement, statements such as my intuition tells me to do so or I just felt intuitively that that's what my next step and it might be true but just considering that there are so much misunderstanding even with physical words i mean with someone that you are listening right there he's telling you something and you sometimes not being able to understand a word that has a specific meaning imagine when we need to translate that easy communication to a communication where it's only about by vibration and uh, more subtle energies. I remember towards the end of Swami Kriyananda's life, uh, many people wanted to speak with him and went to him for counseling. And many of those occasions I was present. And the person would ask something, Swamiji will give him a specific advice and i would think like wow that's amazing the meeting ended i would go out with this person and this person would start telling me all the things that swamiji advised him and they were like almost the opposite <laughs> of what swamiji um, advised him and i would tell him you know i i didn't get it that way i think <laughs> what swamiji really meant was that, I mean, the good thing about myself is that I was detached from the situation. I wasn't personally involved. So it gave me, you know, like a little bit more mm, perspective. perspective. So that happens with us daily, 
thousands of times when the guru is trying <laughs> to tell us something every day through each interaction in every activity and we just you know can't get it all the time so when we bring that in meditation again it's, it has many layers but the more we work with the world we are in you know the more i try to understand him clearly the more i'm making an effort to really put myself aside and what i want to hear what i need to hear what are you trying to say that makes a big difference in our relationships and eventually in our relationship with god and guru I remember from Narayani's book, if you read it, she talking about how she had to learn English and in the beginning when she understood nothing, she had to really just feel the vibration of what people might be trying to say. And uh, that'll be a fun, uh, you know, when I went to Spain to meet uh, Narayani's family, I can't say I had as much success perhaps, perhaps as she did, but it's just fun to put yourself in situations where maybe there's like, it's just like, the mind can't be that active and you need to just perceive you know otherwise when the mind is able to at least take enough information then the mind will create its own understanding so see wherever you can find yourselves in moments where you can let the mind relax a little bit and just go more with feeling and start refining that but as narayani said much more with you know concrete realities before we then transfer that same level of communication to the subtler realms <clears throat> but divine insight is painful to worldly ears <laughs> i love this one master was not popular with superficial students the wise always few in number deeply revered him i dare say shri yukteswar would have been the most sought after guru in india has his had his words not been so candid and so censorious isn't that just something shri yukteswar ji would not be you know would be practically unknown today had it not been for uh, master's mission to the west through the book and through the worldwide kind of sharing of his vibration that he has done in the last hundred odd years now and we would never have known that Sri Yukteswar ji existed just you know a tiny little hermitage with what 10-15 young boys in Sirampur you know and in Puri so when uh, Yogananda ji here says that Sri Yukteswar could easily have been the most sought after guru in all of India only if <laughs> his words had not been so candid and so censorious isn't that just amazing how it just doesn't matter to these great ones what you are just like ah oh, i need to oh, i could you know i could be better known if only i you know <laughs> see how i'm going to speak to people and he just he came for a job later on in the autobiography when uh, shri yukteswar ji's resurrection mm-hmm. happens he's in hiranyaloka and then he says, well, people here are better <laughs> able to <laughs> accept my training. <laughs> like, finally, finally, Sri Yudhishwar found his place where he could really... <laughs> you know, it was not easy. And um, Master, in fact, talks about Sri Yudhishwar Ji coming, not, you know, coming primarily for the relationship between the two of them. And so he just kept, you know, his, his work, his, his own uh, mission in the world very very small seemingly small mm-hmm. on an outward level but uh, well that it, that's what it is you know and once you find your guru it just doesn't matter is he well known is he yeah. popular is he on every channel is he you know whatever is he does he speak in these beautiful flowery tones does he you know pamper me does he look at me with love you know maybe it's true maybe he does maybe he doesn't maybe your guru has a particular vibration maybe he doesn't and it just doesn't matter when you found your guru you found your guru but then you have to you know stick with it no matter what 
I am hard on those who come for my training, he admitted to me. That is my way. Take it or leave it. I will never compromise. But you will be much kinder to your disciples. That is your way. I try to purify only in the fires of severity, searing beyond the average toleration. <laughs> the gentle approach of love is also transfiguring. The inflexible and the yielding methods are equally effective if applied with wisdom. You will go to foreign lands where blunt assaults on the ego are not appreciated. A teacher could not spread India's message in the West without an ample fund of accommodative patience and forbearance. So now Sri Yukteswarji is giving, you know, very particular advice here to Yogananda. But in a sense, it can be an advice to each of us also depending on what our own natures are. So he, he's of course saying, this is my way. I am hard, I'm strict, you know, there's no margin of error in uh, my training and you take it or leave it. You, however, are not going to have that. You're going to teach through love, which has an equally powerful transfiguring uh, reality to it. And so, and then he says over here very beautifully, he says, the inflexible and yielding methods are equally effective if applied with wisdom. So whenever we, and especially this is a this is wonderful advice to parents, um, when you're working with your children, it's just like both work. Of course, love has a natural transfiguring, uplifting power. But of course, there's going to have to be discipline. There's going to have to be a certain level of strictness and firmness. Um, but whenever that is, just really make sure it's coming from a place of wisdom and, and you know what you're trying to, that it's not coming from anger, that it's not coming from a reaction. Because especially children, they receive vibration far more than they receive words. Their connection, the way Yogananda says, is, you know, in the first six years almost of a child's development, they're still far more connected to the astral world than fully connected to the physical world. It is only when their, their sense of self and the intellect begins to really develop, their identification and a certain selfishness really starts to creep in. Again, the selfishness is that identity to self that then their realities become more entrenched in the physical world so just be very mindful on how you even work with people you know this this particular we're not gurus so we're not working with disciples yet um, but we are working with people all the time and we've got these two options always love or a little bit of truth which might be a little harsh which might be a little strict, which might be a little firm. But if that's the way you need to go, which sometimes we do, it needs to be backed up by wisdom. It needs to be backed up by a certain impersonal, you know, just allow God's wisdom to flow through in those words. And it can't just be a chastisement based on anger, reaction, or wanting to show somebody that you too know the true, you know, the truth and I'm going to show this person. So you have to be very careful. In that case, it's always better to choose love. And wait a little bit before you correct people or before you tell them or you want to help them in, in any way. Just give yourself a time and ask the divine if that's your responsibility to help your child in a specific uh, manner or to help a goodbye a, you know friend. A, a friend just just take your time and meditate about how to go you know with that person with that situation the fact that you may know a little bit more or you may have experienced certain things or you have read about certain concepts never give us authority to correct other people in fact we should always be very cautious 
when we advise something because it might be not the right thing for that person and mm -hmm. who we are <laughs> to correct anyone but if that's your job if that's what god is asking of you or if you are in a position that you need to guide people just be humble and and just keep asking for guidance how to help that person in, in the way that person needs and perhaps sometimes you know your real advice or your real help might be not to say anything <laughs> more and, more know, than sometimes <laughs> and just you know allowing that person to figure out on their own so it's, it's a tricky business yeah. it's not <laughs> our job to yeah. hasten anyone's spiritual progress especially so, when we can't do it for yeah. ourselves unless that you know a friend asks you specifically yeah. you know i i really would like to hear your opinion what do you think it's do, do you have any insight and then yes but again never forget that it's just you know humility must be there and always leave a little bit space for error and i can visualize our gurus and god like laughing each yeah. time we, we think we know the answer and <laughs> let me tell you you know this is how you should act and this is what you should say and and those guys up there would be like well, look at these kids you know they think they know what they're doing and they just they themselves we ourselves are just the worst at applying our own wisdom and so just be mindful it's really a very tricky business a lot of unnecessary karma is generated when you think that um, you have greater authority over somebody else mm -hmm. or greater wisdom than somebody else just be mindful until you have wisdom that is anchored in god yeah. phew, better to go with love mm -hmm. better to go with yeah. kindness yeah love kindness nice words towards other people pray for them and that's actually a very good thing if if you don't know how to help them pray for them and pray for one another's you know harmonious relationship and better understanding well i think that's as good a point yeah. as any to end on